In the last episode, about professional golf's future, there was one major tournament which I brought up repeatedly, the Masters. From the Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia, CBS Sports presents the Masters. It's held every year in Augusta, Georgia, as the first major for golf. And at a time when the sport seems divided in every way right now, this tournament seems to always unite everyone around a simple concept, the joy of the game and its history. So today, we discuss how the Masters grew to have such a genuine power over golf and why everyone seems to have such a passionate fondness for the tournament. I spoke with Tom Coyne, who is a New York Times bestselling author who has written multiple books on golf, while also serving as a senior writer and editor for the Golfer's Journal. I'm Harry Kelly, and this is Not Your Grandpa's Golf. For those of you who may not know much about this sport, it's important to put into perspective what this tournament means to diehard fans and some of the things that make it different from other majors. I mean, the Masters is is where it's at. It's It means so much, I think, to golf. I think it has a larger sort of cultural kind of impact. It is the beginning of spring. It is the the, the blooming magnolias. It, it, it signals to golfers that it's golf season. I think it signals to even people that aren't golfers that – Spring is sprung. It's not, you know, as old as the what we call the British Open or the Open Championship. It's not as old as the U.S. Open. So there are, you know, the four majors in golf, and this one's a little different in that it is hosted by one golf club, the Augusta National Golf Club, and it is an invitational tournament. And the founding of Augusta National and how they run the Masters differently from other majors is important when understanding the strong passion fans have for this event above all else. Started as a way to show off this wonderful golf course that Bobby Jones created down in Augusta, Georgia, and invited his friends and professional golfers to come and play and showcase the course. And so it's an invitational tournament. It is not run by the PGA. It's not run by the PGA Tour. It's not run by the European Tour. It's not run by the RNA. It is run by a golf club, which is pretty pretty unique in golf. So that means that it's held at the same place every year. So that makes it really special as well that it's always held, you know, at the Augusta National, which gives it this great familiarity for people as you watch it, you know, if you watch it enough years or been there enough, you know the golf holes, you know the golf shots, you watch it excited to know, you know, okay, here they're getting a 13 and it's going to happen on 15 and 16 and so there's that familiarity that I don't think a, a spectating audience has with any other golf course in America. So that's very cool. There's a sort of like idyllic perfection, you know, whether it's real or manufactured. I don't, I don't know. I don't really care because I just love the, the chirping birds, the, again, whether they're real or not, that is some debate, the birds you hear on TV as you watch it. There are no birds. The birds are piped in, right? Many patrons calling foul on the bird noises they hear at the course. Yeah, I think they might have like speakers somewhere with these bird noises. But everything at Augusta just feels and looks right and perfect and clean and crisp. And it just gives you this sense that all is right with the world. And who doesn't love that? And part of that perfect feeling that everyone seems to get when watching the Masters is certainly helped by its place in the golf calendar and how the course itself has been designed and managed. 
coming out of hibernation. So there's the most appetite for golf. Golf appetite is never is isn't doesn't get any higher, you know, than it does for the masters because we've been without golf or or meaningful major golf for a long time. So there's all, all that sort of pent up excitement. The golf course itself, designed by Alistair McKenzie, uh, among golf architects, would be hugely significant. It designed great, uh, important golf courses in the Golden Age, Cypress Point, Augusta National, Pasatiempo, any number of other just brilliant golf courses. So there's a, a an architectural significance to it. It also kind of just looks and feels differently than other golf courses because whether it be because you have one golf course that's basically pre- preparing for one week all year. And so they have the luxury of just basically maintaining and taking care of and being aware of every single blade of grass on the property. And you can't just, you can't do that at any other golf course because you know, you have things like members and guests and people want to actually play the golf course. I mean, yeah, the members do play Augusta, but it's, it's closed for long stretches of time and, and their preparation and their ability to prepare for the tournament is unrivaled in golf. So you get a place that looks perfect and pristine. It's a incredibly interesting golf course uh, in terms of its risk-reward holes, its iconic holes, its beautiful holes. It's, it's the whiteness of the sand set against the, the perfect green it has a color palette that's so distinctive the whole the whole event does so yeah so the the golf course itself is yeah is, is definitely the main character during, of masters week as it should be and while augusta national certainly holds a lot of power over why people love the masters another huge reason is just how much important history and moments have happened during this one single tournament there's a few that really stand out larry mize chips in pitches in rather and hits that improbable shot to win the masters in the playoff and so i'll never forget that and the shirt he was wearing and the reaction and the excitement uh, around that Uh, there was a sort of magic there I'll also remember when I was in London and watched Greg Norman's collapse when Faldo won because we were up late watching it in a flat. I was in college in London and we couldn't believe what we were watching. Norman's misery was to reach historic proportions from six ahead to five behind the most painful final day in the history of the majors. So, you know, the Masters not only having historic exciting moments, but historic collapses as well. But there's one player has created more iconic moments at the Masters than anyone else, Tiger Woods. The biggest tournament event of my life at the Masters that I'll never forget is Tiger's debut in 97. There it is, a win for the ages. This win at the 1997 Masters is probably the most famous in golf history. He became the first person of color to win the tournament. It was his first major win, and he won by an absurd 12 shots, to this day still a Masters record. And he did it at Augusta National, which quite frankly had a pretty poor record when it came to race until only recently. Not a single African American was invited to play until 1975, when Lee Elder did it. And the club didn't admit its first African American member until 1990. 
For a sport so easily recognized as an elitist, white-dominated field, Tiger Woods changed everything with this single win at the Masters. It's no coincidence that the most-watched round of golf in history was this final round in 1997. 44 million people tuned in to watch Tiger sink that final putt, a record that will most likely never be broken. That alone would have placed him in Masters lore, but he still had other historic moments. His chip-in shot at the 2005 Masters that he would ultimately win is still considered one of the greatest shots ever in the sport. Have you seen anything like that? And then 14 years later, in 2019, he completed one of the greatest comebacks, not just in golf, but in sports. Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. Anyone 40 years and younger probably associates their master's memories most with Tiger Woods. All of this tournament history and expertly crafted design of the course has added to a huge passion for watching the Masters. But there's another reason why there's such a mystique around it. It's absurdly difficult to actually go to. You know, the Masters and its boom in popularity is is a pretty interesting subject. And a great book about it by David Owen called The Making of the Masters gets into that because it wasn't that long ago. When this was a tournament, and it's it's hard to believe now, but say in the 50s or even 60s, where they were holding, you know, they would hold a parade through town and give away tickets to try and get people to come to drum up interest, you know, among local the local community, say, come on out, support the tournament. That seems insane now, considering that it is, you know, the toughest ticket in sports. One of the toughest tickets in sports. I mean, considering there are so many tickets and the, and the demand, I would say it's it's the most in demand. And and how that changed over time. I mean, CBS had a huge role with it. Color television has a huge role in it, where people start to watch the Masters. Augusta, the way they built their mythology is it's an important part of it as well. I mean, when you go, you know, like when you shop at Augusta, the, the only way you can get anything that says Masters on it is if you've been there. You know, you, you can't order it online or, or go in a, to a PGA shop or something. So they have built a mythos and they've and they've nurtured it and it's a thing. So it's become, yes, it's become a tough ticket. This has meant that unlike regular golf tournaments where you can just go online and buy tickets, pretty much like any other sporting event, you know, you have to go through a couple unique paths to be able to see the Masters. I mean, there are different ways to get tickets. There are tickets that are, you know, certain families have had forever going back generations i imagine or there's you know people who just have what they would call they call them tickets call them badges there's people that have badges for the masters and they got them when they were you know 20 years old and now they're 70 years old and they still have four badges to the masters and i'm not sure what the i i did hear from someone recently who mentioned that they were getting theirs handed down to them i i, I wasn't sure what the policy on inheriting badges was anymore but or if that had changed. But in any event, there are people who just have them and like season tickets, you know, and they probably got those season tickets when they were less in demand and now they have them. Other ways to get tickets is to own and operate a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> that helps. Um, there are a lot of CEOs uh, bouncing around uh, at Augusta National. So aside from that, the best way to get tickets and the only way that I know how other than being, you know, credentialed media or something like that 
or volunteering or, or, or what some of those sort of back doors to getting, getting into the masters is every year the Augusta national runs a lottery and you sign up. Uh, it's not too long. I do it every year kind of automatically. So it's, it's not too long after the masters that the lottery for the next year's masters begins. And then you pick like, Hey, I'd like four tickets for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, pick a day. Those are the practice rounds, or I'm going to try for two tickets for a tournament day and you go in the lottery and it's sort of like a, another rite of passage, um, like posting your rejection on Twitter when you don't win again and again and again. I will say that my dad has won twice and I've won once before I was credentialed, lest I get myself in any trouble for getting tickets plus being credentialed media. This was before that. So we'd had a chance to do a couple trips, which was which was fantastic. So, you know, people do win the lottery. And if they do win the lottery, the overwhelming consensus among people who attend the Masters is that the wait is definitely worth it. Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget the first time. It was it was just it was incredibly exciting, and I was probably most excited to shop. And I I still have that problem as a golfer, uh, a shopping problem. And it's not like I don't need I need more stuff. But in any event, I was very excited to get there to see the place. But I wanted to sort of shop and get stuff and and bring it home for people. And like, I guess just to, to say like, man, I, it happened. You know, I, I got to see it. And so yeah. And the cool thing was, you know, the first it was the first time. And your first time, you think it's going to be your only time. So we went with my brother and my dad, and and so we shared that experience together which is, you know, the best part of, of being there with, with family and, uh, and having that father son thing. So it becomes about for a golf family, it becomes a lot about a lot more than a sporting event. It's, it's getting to see this thing that you've watched on television together since you were a little kid to actually go there and walk around. That's awesome. And, uh, and you know, and you get there and everyone has the exact same reaction. Everyone says the same thing. They say, wow, the hills are much bigger than I thought they were. And they really are. On TV, the, the camera has a hard time capturing the undulation of any golf course. So when you get to Augusta and you realize, wow, this is like mountainous, um, it's, it's pretty cool. Another thing that stands out to everyone who actually goes to the Masters is how incredibly well run it is. Yeah. I mean, the first thing you're struck by is if you're like into logistics, the, the Masters is you're the best week of your life because the way that it's operated and the sort of smoothness from everything from the parking lot to the gates, to security, to it's, it's such to the way that you are funneled into line to go into the shop and then come out and you're funneled into line for think the, at the UPS store or apologies if it's FedEx and, you know, they, they bag up all your stuff. They grab your license, they ship it, do, 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 you know, it's, and, and the way they have people like, keeping the bathroom lines and orderly and in place and moving quickly. And they have people cleaning the, the, the efficiency of this operation is mind boggling and just cool to watch, like, and just cool to see how they do it again. You know, when you have a multi multi million dollar operation and you have 51 weeks to prepare for one week, you can do some pretty cool stuff, you know, and you can create a great facility and you can create us an, an, an environment that really works, you know, from the media center to the special media areas that where they're doing the their digital and, and other content, you know, that that stuff is 
they it's it's just down pat it's just so so well run and you gotta love that so i I love that part of it and then you get you know struck by the fact that as you're walking around the uh the grounds are just so immaculate and perfect it does seem like there's not a piece of grass out of place uh again it's super hilly and it's big and it's it's suddenly you know as you're driving there you're kind of in like a it's not a, i guess not in a, quite a city there's a little downtown but you're in a metropolitan area and then suddenly you're not and you're surrounded by these giant trees and perfectly white buildings and so there is this sort of fantasy element that you're walking around in like a daydream and and so yes it does live up to expectations it is uh it's awesome and and everyone there's happy which is another great thing about being at the Masters. You know, you can go to Disney World and half the kids are screaming and crying. Uh, so not really the happiest place on earth, let's be honest, as much as I like it. The happiest place on earth is Augusta National during Masters Week. There's no Nobody's crying. Can't be upset about... I mean, the food is sort of famously kept at prices, at like old school prices. So you can't be upset about the, the, the cost of beer or a sandwich. You can't be upset about the line for the bath. There's nothing to complain about. It's perfect. And and, and so they're striving for perfection and they come as close as you're going to get. So that's pretty exciting. And given the uncertainty of professional golf right now, especially the majors, it would be fair to think that the Masters might be impacted by all these winds of change. But it's not that simple. The thing that's tricky talking about the future with the Masters is it sort of lives in a time capsule. When you, even like when you turn it on or or go there. The great thing about it is that it doesn't change. The music on the TV doesn't change. The images don't change. The magnolias don't change. Uh, the property s- slightly changes here and there, but nothing that you're probably going to notice. Like there's this great consistency that it feels like it exists in its own era. And that again, whether that's real or phony or whatever your taste is, I, I don't care. It is, it's an escape from a, a, a timeline. And so I hope that doesn't change. I mean, Augusta will has done innovative things like, you know, they've started the ANWA, the Women's Amateur Championship, where they're inviting the young female golfers to play there the week before. They've done the, the Drive, Chip, and Putt Championship. Finals are there for little kids playing golf. So they they are, they've done innovative things. So what else they might have in store? I don't know. I think because, again, I... I I think Augusta likes things and we like Augusta to stay the same. And, you know, they do tweak the golf course here and there every year. And that's always something we talk about. But at the end of the day, it looks like it's been there forever. So that's the great thing about Augusta is you don't really have to think about the future when you're there. It's pretty cool. That's going to do it for this episode on the Masters. A big thank you to Tom Coyne for being so generous with his time and answers. Next week, we dive into the state of elite amateur and college golf and how easy the sport is to get into now for the casual player. I'm Harry Kelly, and I'll see you in the next episode.